Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. I am Pastor Chris. Pastor Jason will be up here in just a moment. Um, but first, we just want to share just a little bit. One, just our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude um, and just uh, gratefulness for the church for being able to uh, go and be on mission in Honduras for the people and the ministry and the faithfulness of our God and what he is doing there in Honduras and um, just what God is doing in in our hearts um, as we are able to serve and to love um, and just to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so, so grateful for that. Um, You know, the the beautiful thing that we see and as we are on mission and what we have noticed there in Honduras and what... So many people are just testifying how good God is and his grace and his mercy and his truth. And, and the same God that we serve here is the same God that they serve there. And our same issues that we have here, they have there. And the same testimony and what God is doing in lives of, of the church here is the same testimony and stories of, of them there. And just the beauty of what God does to unite churches, unite the body of Christ, to, to see and, and love on brothers and sisters in Christ that I never knew, and getting to just uh, love on them, and um, it's a great and a beautiful story, and so I want to uh, challenge you as you pray, as you support, as you go, that continue to see where God is stirring in your heart. Um, but God is doing a great work there in San Pedro Sula, and not just there, but also in Capon and other areas in Santa Marta. And, um, but also, um, as we go, God continues to do a great work in our lives personally and continue to be a, a catalyst to our faith. And uh, many of you know my testimony, and it was on a mission trip um, that I understood the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ um, overseas on a mission trip thinking, oh, I'm going to go and serve and give and do. And God was like, no, it's, <laughs> I'm going to do something special in your life. And, and so um, we also get to hear a beautiful testimony and a beautiful story. So many of you know, we went to Honduras in the summer and we had a, um, a larger group and we had some t- two special individuals that were supposed to go, but they were signed up to go, but they weren't supposed to go because they didn't go. And God knew. Um, And so we had two special individuals that were planning to go in the summer, but for some different circumstances that prevented them from going. Um, But we get to hear from Miss Dayani Brown, who is Hugh Brown's daughter. And we get to hear from her and what God has done and why God closed that door in the summer, but yet opened up a door in the and on this trip, and so she's, I'm going to invite up Dayani to share her testimony, to share a little bit about the trip and what God has done and continuing to do uh, in and through her life. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I spoke at the earlier service, um, and I was really, really nervous, um, but now I'm a little less nervous. Um, still, my heart is pounding. Um, <laughs> Not good at public speaking, but um, Pastor Jason texted my dad, and um, he asked if I would want to share, and uh, I was like, yeah, of course, and then he's like, yeah, it's going to be in front of the whole church, and I was like, oh, no, 
I'm good. Um, but I uh, spoke to my mom, and, like she prayed for me, and I was just like, I can't turn down this opportunity um, to share my story because I know um, when I did share in Honduras that um, it did impact um, some some of the girls' lives um, that went through the similar things with me. Um, and so I just wanted to share a little bit about Honduras with you. Um, one thing that I, that really impacted my life was when we went to um, Eternal Family Project, um, which is like a girl's home. Um, and Miss Allison, she adopted all of these girls and it was just so amazing to meet all of them. Um, and can I take this off? I'm a little bit more comfortable now. Um, <laughs> um, she adopted all of them, and you can just, when you look at them and look into their heart, um, you could just tell that God is seeping through them, um, and it was just amazing. Um, I did get to encounter some, some ladies that um, not yet have accepted Christ um, as their Savior, and you could just, you can tell um, the difference. Um, and when I went to the girls' home, it was amazing to see that all the girls there were raised by one woman, and it was just very empowering. Um, and I just got to, um, I gained 15 sisters, <laughs> and it was just amazing. And when I left them, it was so hard. Um, and all of them were coming to hug me and say goodbye. And one girl, Asley, she just comes to me crying. And I'm like, don't cry, like you're gonna make me cry. Um, and Addison, she's like, never forget me. And I was like, I could never forget any of this. This was an amazing experience for me. And it's definitely a part of my story of being saved. Um, so now I'm going to tell you about um, my story of being saved. Um, so I grew up in church. My grandma would take me to church every Sunday. And when I was old enough, um, I was in the youth choir. And I would um, sing there. Um, and my, um, my dad was never um, in my life when I was growing up. Um, and he was in and out of prison, as you may know. Probably most of you know and heard my dad's story. So this is the other half of it. Um, and so uh, I always wanted my dad in my life. And I prayed to God every single night, every single morning, every time I had a chance. I prayed that he would come back in my life and he, he would be with me. Um, and about seventh grade... I just gave up. I was like, he's not coming back. Um, I just was so discouraged and I was depressed and I didn't know how I could get through it. Um, and I didn't know how to talk to anyone. I didn't want to talk to my mom. Um, and so I just wrote everything down. I wrote everything that I was feeling down and I just was like, God, why me? Like, why, 
why did I have to grow up without a dad, you know? I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't understand why or how it could happen to me. Um, and so my aunt, she signed me up for a mentorship and I met my mentor, Andrea, and she didn't grow up with, we, she didn't grow up with, that, with her dad. Um, and she asked me, she's like, you know, do you, do you think you could ever forgive your dad? And I, I told her, no, I could never. Um, I was just like, how could I ever forgive someone that was just never there for me when I needed him most, you know? Um, and so she prayed with me. Um, she asked God that um, he'd heal my heart and one day I could forgive my dad. And for the most part, I did forgive him. You know, I was like, it's not his fault that he's not here. Like he's just, he needs help. Um, and I prayed that God would help him. Um, and I prayed that God would heal my heart um, to forgive him. Um, and then my dad got out of jail, um, out of prison for the last time. And he's like, I'm different, I'm saved. Like God saved me. And I was just like, people don't change. I'm like, I can't, there's no way that you're just changed. And so he came to see me for a week in Florida. That's where I live. Um, and uh, he probably stayed for like seven days. And out of those seven days, I probably seen him two times um, because I just, I did not want to see him. I wasn't ready. Um, and he kept trying and he would come back and then he'd see me for three times out of the week. And then um, he came again. And then we seen each other every day. Um, and then I finally accepted that, like, I seen the change that my, da my dad had. I knew that he was different. And I, I didn't know, um, I didn't know if he would go back to his old ways. And I'm still scared for one day for him to just fall back into the hole. But I know that um, God has him. And as long as he trusts in God, that um, he'll never go back. Um, so as me and my dad were getting close, um, my mom remarried um, and had my two little sisters. Uh, and we moved to Germany because my stepdad um, is in the military. Um, so I was so happy that I was going to have, um, a two parent household and I was going to have my little sisters. Um, and I thought it was just going to be perfect. Um, but unfortunately it wasn't, um, my stepdad abused me, um, emotionally, physically, um, and I was angry. I was angry at him. I was angry at my mom for not leaving him. And then I prayed to God. I prayed that he would heal my heart and he would give me the strength to forgive him for what he's done to me. Um, and I was angry at my mom for not leaving him. But um, God made me realize that I never wanted my sisters to grow up without their dad. And I knew how hard it was for me. and I could never let them go through that. Um, 
So um, I left Germany to come visit um, my family in Florida, and they took me to church. And I don't remember what the pastor was preaching or anything, um, but I do know, like, through halfway through his sermon, I just started crying. And I just, I couldn't stop. And everyone, like, gathered around me, and they prayed over me. And they were just asking God to heal my heart and whatever I was going through, that he would get me through it. Um, and at the end, I finally stopped crying after, like, 30 minutes straight of crying. Um, I didn't even realize that the pastor was done preaching. I was just crying. Um, and they're like, what's wrong? Like, what happened? And I was just like, I don't know. It's just, I just missed everyone. And I didn't want to tell them that I was being abused because um, I didn't want him to be in trouble and I didn't want him to get taken away from my sisters or anything like that. Um, so I went back to Germany and everything was all right and I stayed distant. Um, from my stepdad. I was close to my mom, but um, I was still far, far away from God. Um, and I would pray and I would read my Bible because my dad told me to. <laughs> um, and he would try to tell me and he would pray over me every single day um, for probably five or six years. And I was just lost. And um, my dad um, came to me and he's like, do you want to go on this mission trip? Um, this was the before the summer. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. And I had no idea like what I would be getting myself into or anything. Um, but unfortunately, my passport um, was expiring and it wouldn't get here in time. Um, so we stayed here. Um, I stayed in Franklin with my dad. Um, thankfully, he stayed here with me because he could have left me <laughs> with my Nana Myers and Pap. Um, and I would have been fine, but he stayed. Um, and I got to come to church on Sunday, and Pastor Jason was preaching about um, John 4. And um, I don't know if you guys know the story, um, but it's about a Samaritan woman. Um, she's at the well, um, and God, or Jesus asked her for some water, and she's like, why are you asking me for water? You know, you're a Jew. Um, and so Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God, um, who is saying to you, give me a drink, um, you would have asked him and then says um, he would have given you living water um, and then he goes on to say um, if you drink this water in this well that you have you'll be forever thirsty but if you ask God to give you water you'll never be thirsty again and I realized I'm like crying, and Amy Baumgarner, she's not here right now, um, but she just is like praying over me and hugging me, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, just praying, and I'm like, God, give me water. I'm like, I am thirsty. Um, and I was thirsty for attention. 
I was thirsty for acceptance. I was thirsty for any anything that someone would give me. Um, but then I knew that if I asked God, if I asked Jesus to give me some water, I would never be thirsty and I would have love that is unconditional. Um, and so when I went home, it stuck with me and people seen this light that they've never seen in me. And I didn't know that people seen it, but they were like, you're just different. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's just, I'm just, maybe it's the North Carolina water. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then my dad told me that they were going to Honduras again. And I was like, I'm getting this passport. Like, I'm going to go. I'm like, God wants me to go this time. And so I get my passport and I come. And it was just, when I went to Honduras, it was an amazing experience. It was life-changing. And I never knew that I could make a lifetime, a lifelong a relationship with a family that I've never known and I've only known them for a week and now I come back and I'm texting all of them every single day and it's just amazing to see the light in the light in them um, and so um, while I was there I think um, Wednesday night um, or no Tuesday night, I was there, and I asked my dad, we're laying in the bed, um, and I asked my dad, like, do I need to be baptized? I'm like, is, is that what I have to do to be saved? And he's like, well, no, not technically. I mean, um, it's just for, you know, everyone else to witness, um, and, you know, it's something that... Um, will be a part of your story. And I was like, I don't need anyone to witness the light of God in me. You know, I'm like, I know that God is in me and I know he saved me. Um, and I don't need to share that with anybody else. Um, but then Judy, um, she um, came to me and I shared my story with her. And that was my first time sharing my testimony and before that, I really wasn't sure if I had one, but I just told her how I grew up and how hard it was. And I realized that I do have a story and everybody does. Um, and so she's like, have you thought about being baptized? And I was like, well, yeah, I thought about it, but I was like, I'm not really interested, you know? And she's like, well, you know, we have a pool at the hotel. And I was like, well, yeah, we do, I know. <laughs> and um, she's like, your dad is here. And I was like, yeah, okay, I know that too. <laughs> and um, she says to me, she's like, we can make this happen. Like, your dad can baptize you. And so um, I thought about it. And that night, I texted her, and she was praying over me. And um, I texted her, I was like, hey, in the morning, like if we have time, like I don't want to squeeze anything in, but if we have time, like I would like to be baptized tomorrow. And um, I mentioned it to my dad, but it wasn't like official. It wasn't anything like set in stone. Um, and he prayed for me um, that night. And that morning, 
Um, we went um, for breakfast and everybody um, got a text on their phone that we would have to meet 20 minutes earlier. Um, and Pastor Chris uh, read a little bit and um, he's like, um, Deani wants to share this moment with you. Um, and me and my dad got in the pool and he baptized me. Um, it was an amazing experience and I'm so glad that I got to share it with the people that I went to Honduras with. Um, and yeah, so that's my story. <laughs> Thank you for listening. When I saw that picture on Thursday, I kind of had the same response. And this morning when I saw it, did it to me again. But as I look at you and his daughter and I think about the greatness of our God, I'm reminded that we have a God who steps into the midst of brokenness, in the midst of Christmas on a rescue mission. I'm reminded that he reached into the midst of a prison and that he saved Hugh Brown and that he's blessed my heart with him, that he showed up in a service after a mission trip, kind of all confused, and he reached in and he worked in Diane's life and he saved her. And I'm reminded this morning that we have a God who steps into the midst of the brokenness of this world and he calls us as his people to be on mission with him. You know, and as I, I was praying about this service and uh, before I had heard about a lot of these things, the, the word rescue was on my heart. And we've been, as a church, walking through uh, the scriptures together this year. And this week we've been in 1 Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, we read these words that Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. And we read the message of the scriptures, really in a verse, that Jesus came to save sinners, to rescue them. And I, I borrowed this from the Cowie Fire Department. Larry Pickens let me borrow it. Y'all know I love visual illustrations. And this is the jaws of life. If anybody has like a nose hair, anything, um, like I'm willing to help. These things are awesome. I, I really want to put something in there that's breakable um, and to use them, but They've got a, a significant meaning and relevance in my life. And I'll show you a picture on the screen. And as my heart was thinking about just this thought of rescue, my wife and I were in a car accident. And uh, when we were in that, we were in a place where we were inside this car. And there was nothing we could do to get out. There was nothing that we could do uh, to help ourselves in those moments. We were just in a mess. We were hit uh, head on by a truck. 
And in those moments, we were trying to navigate and deal with those difficulties. She had broken her back and was bleeding internally and going through all these different things. And we were entrapped in these moments. And, and people, as they would drive by, uh, they would see us. And we see those people from time to time. And when they see us, they'll immediately uh, just be stirred with emotion because they remember the condition that we were in. And now they see us with our children and they see us experiencing the joys of life. There were first responders. And I thank God so much for uh, so many that, that serve in that way in our church and our community, but there were these first responders that showed up on the scene and they climbed in uh, to the back seat of that car and they began to talk to us and they began to help us and they, they brought these jaws of life and in the midst of that, in a place that we were entrapped, they literally cut us out of that vehicle. They literally uh, did those kind of things and as I thought about uh, those kind of things, I'm reminded that without a rescue in those moments, we would not be here. In those moments, we were we were injured in ways that without help that we would have perished, that there was no hope for us. And I want to remind you this Christmas that Christmas is a rescue mission, that we, because of our sin, were separated from a holy God. We were perishing and God enters into humanity. Christianity is a rescue mission and God in his mercy has sent Jesus Christ to Save sinners. That's what the scripture reminds us of. And in First Timothy, I, I want to I walk through chapter 2, just a few verses very quickly. I believe they're pertinent to our time that we're in. I believe they're something that God uh, has for us this morning. And we're going to see in those verses the main message of the scriptures. We're going to see uh, in, in chapter 1, Paul writes to young Timothy and he says, you need to guard yourself. You need to guard your heart. Uh, you need to guard the gospel in your life. And you need to guard the gospel in your church. You need, you need a war against false teachers. You need to battle those things. And then he shares his testimony like, I'm the worst of all, but Jesus came to save sinners. And he says, this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of the scripture. This is the storyline of the scripture. And then beginning uh, in verse one of chapter two, he gives these instructions on how they are to guard the gospel and how, uh, what, what the desire of our Father is and how we fit in the midst of that. And aren't you glad uh, to see that God reaches in and, and he rescues us in the midst of our perishing, in the midst of our condition, and then he allows us to be part of the rescue team, right? That's what we see in Hugh's life. That's what we see in Dahani's life as she shared her story this morning, proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Beginning in verse one, scripture says this, first of then, and so in the midst of all this, right? First of all, the most important thing is that he says that you would pray. And so we see this call to prayer. First of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Verse three says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we see this call for prayer, this call for us to be gospel sent even in our prayers. And it's called that we might pray first, that we might have a heart and dependence on God in prayer. And I'm reminded as, as they shared their story that he would pray over Dayani for five years, right? That, that, that we would pray over her. And then we see God's hand at work. And I am reminded that in the scriptures we see that God in his sovereignty limits his power to the prayers of his people and that he works in accordance with our prayers. And he allows us to be part of the work that he is doing. And God does incredible things. But I wonder if all all of our prayers, if every prayer that's been prayed in this room was answered by a holy God this morning, how would it impact the kingdom of heaven? How many lost people in our city would be saved if God answered every prayer? And I want to challenge you that we would pray 
in line with the heart of our Father. And we see God's heart in, in, in the scriptures here in verse 3. He said, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So here we see the heart of our Father. We see God's heart for all people. All men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we go. That's why a team left here and went to Honduras because we know that God desires all people to be saved, to come to knowledge, the knowledge of the truth. That's why we go. That's why we give. That, that's why we, we are on mission. And I want to remind you that God did not create a mission for the church. God created a church for the mission. And you, here, here's what God does. He, he takes a body of believers and he places them in a place to be on mission for the glory of his name. And this church, you are missionaries in this community and around the world to proclaiming the good news of the gospel. This is why we go. This is why we give. This is the, the reason that we're there. The scripture says in 2 Peter, God's not slack concerning his promises. We know that one day God's going to come and he's going to make all things new. The scripture says God's not slack concerning those promises, but aren't you glad this morning that he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why we go. That's why we give, right? That's what our heart is. When we, when we think about the Lottie Moon and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, uh, I want to remind you a couple things about Lottie. I think it's incredibly uh, just relevant in these moments, right? She was sent as a Southern Baptist missionary to China from 1873 to 1912. And what she saw was lostness and brokenness. And what she saw was a need for more missionaries. She saw a, a, a need for people who were perishing, for people who were dying without Jesus, for people who were hungry, for people who were living in poverty. And she began to write letters to home, right? She began to write letters to people who were blessed with so much, right? If you talk to someone who's been in Honduras this week, they will tell you that they had so very little. But when you talk to them, they have so very much because Jesus is enough. And so she would write letters and she would ask for churches to give. She would ask the, that, that there might be a stirring because there was a need for more missionaries. And, and she pled for these reinforcements. And her first pleading resulted in three missionaries uh, that were sent to be uh, on mission with her. Right? And we see these, these kind of things happen from it. Toward the end of her day, she suffered with them in uh, the Chinese people in terrible famine, but she gave everything that she had. And in a letter that was a, really a life-changing letter that was written to churches here, and she wrote to women uh, in, in those moments, and, and it was kind of this moment of the birthing of the, the Women's Missionary Union, this, this type of organization, but she wrote to them, and I'm going to replace women with us in this, but she said this, how many there are among us, alas, who alas, who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing, forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus in bringing a lost world back to God, and so aid in bringing the answer to the petition our Lord taught his disciples. Disciples, thy kingdom come. I'm reminded that we are blessed in so many ways. While there is a world who is perishing without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we uh, have been blessed not so that we could consume all those things on ourselves. But so that we might be a blessing to others. Right? That we might engage in mission on mission and giving toward missions. And so many times we, we may be uncomfortable. We may be in those moments where we don't want to share. Where we don't want to go. Where we don't want to give. We may have those kind of moments. But how many people... 
is it that, that, that God has placed in our lives that are near us that, that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? How many people do we work with? How many people are in our classrooms and in our workplaces and in our communities and in our neighborhoods? And if we were to see their houses on fire or were to see them on the side of the road in a car accident, we would stop and help. But we recognize that apart from Christ, that their souls are nearing an eternity in hell. And many times we walk directly by them and we never share anything about the good news of Jesus Christ. Because here's what we know in this passage, verse 5, Paul says, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He said, listen, this is the heart of our Father for all people, that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We see that this is God's gift for all people, that Jesus Christ has entered into the midst of this world, that, that there is one God, and it speaks of his greatness and his glory and his majesty, one mediator that, that brings two parties together, right? Because sin has left us condemned and under the due wrath of a holy God, but only Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, the incarnation, fully God, able to live a sin sinless life, fully man, able to die a, sin, a, a death in our place, to die the death that we deserved. Right? This is what Christmas is all about. The scripture says in verse 6, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. We see God's plan, right? We see his gift for all people. And then in verse 7, we see God's plan to reach all people. Paul says this, for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Right? Paul speaking of himself. We read those verses in chapter 1 where Paul says, hey, I'm the chief among sinners. But Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And Paul plucked out, saved by God's grace, is now part of the rescue team sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning we have heard the testimony of how God has worked in the life of the Brown family and we could go on and testify of how he's worked in our lives and, and we see this call. How do we respond to the good news of the gospel? How do we respond to, to, the, to, the, to the heart of our father, to the gift of our father and, and to the plan that he has given for us to proclaim the good news of the gospel. See, God desires all men to be saved. He desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. And through Jesus, what we see in this passage is he has made a way for all men to be saved. And now those who are on mission are proclaiming the good news of the gospel until he returns, making all things new. And then he says, therefore, verse 8, he says, I desire, right? He says, I want every man, I want the men in every place to pray. And, and he begins this passage with this call to prayer. He ends uh, this section of this scripture with this call to prayer. And, and he says here, listen, in the midst of the brokenness of this world, we are to engage on mission for the glory of his name. And it begins in prayer. It ends in prayer. Everything that we do is covered in prayer. And, and our prayer should reflect the heart of our father, that we would ask him to do a work that only he could do in our community and in our world and in Honduras and in our families and in this world for the glory of his name and that we would recognize that our desires should match his desires and that our lives would be lived, right? We should long for people to be saved. Our, our, our prayer life should reflect that and we should live for people to be saved. That's what we see in this passage. We see Paul's life had been changed for the glory of God. When Naomi shared about her dad, she said when he first came around, he told me that God had done something in his life that he'd been saved, but she said, I needed to wait. 
wait, and I needed to watch, and I needed to see that's what's happened on the inside, that it's made a difference on the outside. And the people that are in this world that are around us, the people that God has placed us uh, in the midst of their lives so that they might see that our lips might share the good news of Jesus Christ and that our lives might reflect change that has happened in Christ. And that we might, like Naomi, when she went back home, they said, hey, there's a little something different about you. And what she's come to understand is it's not the North Carolina water, but it's a water that, that, that Jesus said, hey, listen, you can come to me. And he said, I'm going to give you something that's going to satisfy all the desires, all those things. You've been searching for satisfaction in all the things of this world. You've been trying to find fulfillment uh, from the pleasures of this world and from the culture that you live in and, and, and from uh, desiring uh, the approval of other people, the approval of men, love from all of these places. But he says, listen, I've come. And he says, the water I can give you, a relationship with me. And he says, when you drink of this well, he said, when you drink of this water, you will never thirst again and you will live satisfactory. And see, when those people that pulled us out of the wreck, those people that took the jaws of life and cut us out and pulled us out from the midst of that, for years when Sherry and I would see them in the midst of town and we would walk by them, immediately they would break into tears because they would see her living an abundant life. Friends, they knew the condition that she was in. And I want you to know that when we engage in the mission of Christ and we go and we share the good news of the gospel and we see people transformed by his grace and we see the, the, the new life that they are living. We see that, that in the midst of this world, right, the thief comes, scripture says, to, but not but to kill, steal, and to destroy. And that's what we see all around our culture, brokenness all around. But Jesus stepped out from the glories of heaven on a rescue mission. And the scripture says that he came so that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. And when we see and when we reflect in that, we were able to, to just see the joy of what God is doing in those around us. There's something beautiful as we looked last week at this call to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and to encourage one another along as we see the day approaching. Oh, how my heart was done so good to hear the testimonies of Deani and Hugh Brown and to be reminded not of their greatness, but that God steps into the midst of the brokenness and he says, come all, all you who are unfaithful, all you who are weary. The scripture says that, that come all you who are weary and I will give you rest. Maybe you walked in here today weary and in need of rest, weary and broken by the things of this world. And you wonder, have I gone too far? Is, am, I, am I out of the reach of the hand of a mighty God? And I want you to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, the, the payment that he gave, the propitiation, the scripture says, the payment that satisfies the due wrath of God that we deserve, Jesus took on himself and he loves you and he desires for all men to be saved. He desires for you to turn from your ways and to turn from trying to find satisfaction in this world and to drink from a well that will never run dry. And I want to invite you this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what those things are that are in your life, but I want to invite you into relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to remind you that Jesus stepped out from the glories of heaven and that he took on flesh, the scripture says, and dwelt among us, that he lived a sinless life and that, that he, he never sinned. The scripture says he was tempted 
just as we are. He faced every temptation, right? But, but he lived without sin. And that Jesus willingly laid down his life, a sacrifice, a substitutionary sacrifice in our place on the cross of Christ. And he says, when you look to that, and when you look to the gospel, and you hear the good news of the gospel, and you look to, to the cross, and you recognize that what Jesus did on that cross, that it counted for me, that Jesus died on that cross in my place, and I believe, and I trust in him, and I want to drink from that well, Jesus, I, I need you. I, I recognize that apart from you, that I'm stuck in this mess, and there is no way that I can save myself, but I need a rescue, and maybe that's your heart this morning, that you need a rescue. And I want to invite you this morning. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. And if you've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I invite you to come this morning and to call on his name, to trust in him and the work of the cross and to be saved, to be born again into the family of God because Jesus makes all things new. And if you've been saved this morning, if you've been born again into the family of God, I want you to understand that you are part of the rescue team. And you are called to be sent out back into the midst of the brokenness of this world on mission for the glory of God, declaring the good news that God desires all men to be saved and that through Christ, he's made a way for all men to be saved. And this morning, I want to invite you to respond to the good news of the gospel.